There was a wealthy man who had left a million dollars to his nearest relative after he died. And unfortunately, the nearest relative was in ICU. He just had a massive heart attack. And so they were trying to figure out how to break the news to him without it getting him excited and just sending him into worse shape than he's already in. And so they talked to the pastor and they said, listen, we need you to break this news to him, but do it in a gentle way so that he's going to be okay. And so the pastor said, I'd be glad to do it. So the pastor goes to talk to the man and he starts sharing with him what's going on in the church, how excited they are about all the great stuff that's happening there. And then the pastor, trying to be real delicate, said, hey, I got a question for you. He said, let's just say, you know, hypothetically that you inherited a million dollars. What do you think you'd do with it? And the guy looked right at him and he said, you know, I'd give half of it to the church. Pastor actually is one that dropped dead of the heart attack when he heard that. Now, now, whenever we talk about uh, finances and things of that nature, I think a lot of us get nervous. We wonder how to handle the subject uh, delicately. And over the next uh, the next few weeks, not really today, but really starting next week, we are entering into a new series of messages called "Building on Faith, Giving in Joy." And uh, this is really this is going to be our focus uh, for the month of October, the next three weeks after today, because we're entering into another. Another phase in the life of our church and the end of this month is going to be an important time for our church because we're going to be laying the groundwork, laying the foundation for what the future holds for Village Church really in just the next few years. Uh, Now, those of you who've been with us for a little bit, you say, man, this is like the third time we've done this uh, in the last couple of years. What's going on with that? Uh, Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, 13 months ago, we moved into this facility and in 13 months, we have had, uh, we've experienced just a great move of God. And we, we've seen our children's areas just mushroom and grow, our youth areas exploding in growth. Uh, we've had, uh, God, we have more need now for some more uh, programming to minister to all the new people that are coming our way. And so we said, you know, we need to start laying the groundwork now for what God's going to be doing in the future here at Village Church. And so what we're doing today is we're basically just going to take a look at a guy in Scripture, a guy named Jacob, and we're going to see how he made a commitment to God to say, God, I I am going to ask you to work in my life, in me and through me, because I believe that you have great things in store for my life. And so we're going to look at this man named Jacob in in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible... You can turn to Genesis chapter 28. Y'all, this is going to be an easy one to find. Very first book in the Bible. So Genesis chapter 28, we'll look in verse number 20 in a few minutes. But I want to give you a little bit of background information as to what was going on in Jacob's life. Uh, Jacob had had an older brother. Uh, they were actually twins. And uh, this, this, let's do a little Bible trivia here. Does anybody know what Jacob's older brother's name was? Yeah, I heard a couple of people kind of whisper it. It's Esau. Esau was his brother. Now, you might remember that uh, Jacob and Esau did not necessarily get along all that great. Uh, Jacob kind of, he was a conniving little guy. And uh, he sort of, he, he stole, Esau would say he stole his birthright. He just tricked him out of it. And it really ticked off Esau to the point where then it was a big deal to lose your birthright. And so Esau was ready to, to kill his brother. And so it was at this time that Jacob decided, I'd better go on a road trip. And he thought it would be a good time at this point to go out and find himself a wife. 
you know, instead of his brother killing him, maybe he could get a woman to kill him. And so he says, I'm going to go, I'm going to go try to find a wife at this time. And so he leaves. But it's as he leaves that God begins to deal with his heart. And God begins to work in him and basically telling Esau, or excuse me, telling Jacob, Jacob, I have plans for you. Jacob, I I see you being a great instrument, a great vessel that I'm going to work through to achieve great things through you and your family. But for that to happen, Jacob had to come to a place in his life where he said, Lord, these are some things that I'm going to give up in my life, that I'm going to surrender to you, that you'll have your will and your way in my life. Now, that's our focus for today. It's to say, okay, God, if you're going to have your will and your way in my life and in the life of the church, these are some areas in my life that I'm giving up to you. Now, if we're going to experience God becoming very real in our lives, what, what is it that we are to turn over to him? Well, the very first thing that I see that we are to turn over to God to see him become real in our lives, it starts with our hearts, where we turn our heart over to God. And if you look in verse number 20 in chapter 28, it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, he's going to look for a wife, he said that I'm taking and will not and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Now, Jacob's traveling along. Remember, his brother's after him. His brother's, his brother's looking for him to take him out. And so he's out by himself. He's heading up to his, his uncle's place, Laban, going to his place miles away from where, he, from where he lived to find a wife, to get away from his brother, too. And so he camps out by himself. And he's sleeping underneath the stars. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he's, got a, it's a, he's, he's sleeping on a rock. I mean, how comfortable can that be? His rock is his pillow And it's then that God begins to speak to his heart. And it's here that we see Jacob, for the first time in his life, is ready to make a commitment to God. And in verse number 20 again, Jacob said, If God will be with me, then he will be my God. Now, it looks like that Jacob's giving God an ultimatum here. God, if you'll be with me, if you protect me, give me food to eat and all this stuff, it is then that I'll decide I'm going to live for you. But we're just going to see how well you do. Now, that's not what Jacob was doing here. Uh, Jacob is actually he's making a promise to God that, God, I will, I will give myself to you and I will follow you. And I know that you will bless me if I do this. Uh, just as a side note, nobody tells God what to do. Nobody will tell God what to do. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 2 tells us there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God, even in this text, it is God who is the one who's in control. But what we see is God is allowing Jacob to make a choice, to make a decision, what he's going to do concerning his relationship with God. And it's here that Jacob decides he will give God control of his life. Now, now why would Jacob do this? And there's a very simple reason, I think a logical reason, is because it's a good deal. If he lets God control his life, God's already promised blessings for him. And the verses before this, in verses 13 through 15, God said to him, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. 
I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Now, now why did God speak to Jacob in a dream? And I thought about that, and if you look at the, the name Jacob, it means deceiver. And if you read about Jacob, Jacob was just a, I mean, he's just a, a little, he's a guy who's always wiggling his way in and out of people's lives. He was a deceiver. He tried to cheat his father-in-law. He was always, I mean, he was just sort of, he was a sneaky little, a sneaky little booger. And so, it, it, and I really think God spoke to him in a, in a dream, because Jacob's hard to get a hold of. You know, he's hard, he's like, it's like trying to nail jello to a wall. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, there's some people I know here that are like that. You know, not, not that you're deceitful. Uh, nobody, in the fir- nobody in the second service, first service, that's where they are. But, but there's some of you guys that are, I mean, you're just slippery. You kind of, you're real good at wiggling your way in and out of relationships. It's kind of hard to nail down where you really are. And I think that's where Jacob was. And so God speaks to Jacob in a dream trying to get his attention. And Jacob is one of those guys, I believe, it's like some of us, where we say, God, I, you, Lord, you know that I read my Bible today. Lord, you know that, I, that I've, I've come to church. So because I do those things, Lord, then why don't you just leave me alone and let me do what I want to do? Why don't you let me have my way? God, there's some things that I'm willing to allow you to have charge of in my life, but there's other areas that I just prefer you keep your hands off of those areas in my life. But what's interesting to me is, you know, guys, when we talk about, and I know we're, going through, we're getting ready to go through a capital campaign and all that, did you know God doesn't want your money? Did you know that? He already, he already owns everything anyway. God doesn't want, uh, you know, want the possessions that you've got. He doesn't want your house. He doesn't want all those things. So don't, don't look at God as God is one who's coming after you to get you. What God wants from you is your heart. God wants your heart. He wants you to love Him. And there's a reason for that. Because if God has your heart, then God's got all of you. Now, those of you who are parents, do you remember, I know you do, but you remember what it was like when you saw your child for the very first time? I remember all seven of our children. I'm kidding. All three of our children, whenever they were born, it seemed like seven. But whenever all three of our children were born, I remember looking at each one of them being totally amazed. You know, you remember that parent when you look at your kids? I remember the first time when our first son was born, I was like, oh my, look how small his hands are. He had these little tiny fingernails, which I, that still blows me. I was like, isn't that weird? He's got fingernails, and they're like just miniature. And so I was sitting there looking at him, and, and I was watching him, and then just seeing you know, he's just like this little human body that's really small. And, uh, and I, man, after I looked at that kid for a while, man, he had my heart. And, you know, he, because he, that's such a bit because he had my heart. You know what that means I was willing to do for my children because he has my, they have my heart? Yeah, for me, I, I even changed their diapers because my kids, they, they had my heart. I was willing to, I buy them food, and my, you know, my oldest son now, he's bigger than an elephant. Yeah, but, but you know what, I'm willing to do that, because he has my heart. My daughter and my, my, my son, Glenn, they, they have my heart. And, and you know, when God, God knows that whenever he has our heart, he knows that he's got all of us. And that's why God calls for us to give ourselves to him. And I believe it is, it is time for many of us to say, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to trust God with everything that I've got. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to give my heart to Christ and let him have charge of my life.
God, I'm going to trust you. Now, that's pretty difficult for a lot of us to do because some of you have given out your heart before and it's been crushed. Now, some of you, you've given your heart to your spouse to see them leave you. And some of you have given your heart to your children. You've seen your children grow up and they've drifted away from the things that you've taught them. And some of you have given your heart to the church and you've given it to, to leaders in the church and they have, they've disappointed you. But I want you to know that whenever you give your heart to God, He's not going to crush your heart, guys. He's going to bless you. Jesus said in John 10, 27 through 29, My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. Folks, God is faithful and true and He keeps every one of His promises. The Bible says that whenever we give God our heart, that God blesses. He blesses you with forgiveness. He blesses you with eternal life, the hope for the future. Now, an area that we need to turn over to God in order to experience Him being real in our lives, is we, it's our hearts. And my challenge you today is to examine yourself. Have I ever given my heart to God? But another area of your life that God wants you to surrender to Him so that you see that He is real is God doesn't just want your heart, He wants your home too. God is interested in you individually. He's interested in you as a family as well. Now, in verse number, in verse 20 again, it says, Then Jacob made a, a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my guide. Now, Jacob desired for God to be with him on this journey. You know, he's, he's leaving home. He's journeying north in order to go to Laban's house to get a wife. And he wants God to be with him because he's going to make a big choice, but also because his brother's going to kill him. And he's like, God, I want you to be with me. Lord, I want you to protect me. And Jacob is by himself for the first time. And he's desperate. He's so desperate that he's willing to say, God, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to give you everything. You see, he was afraid that he was not going to be able to return home because his brother might kill him before he got back home. Those things that were so precious to him, he was afraid he would not see them again. And so as he was in dire straits at this time, he begins to call out to God. And God lets him know in this text, I'm going to bless you. Now, as Jacob's lying down with his head on a rock, I'm sure that he found it rather difficult to believe that he was going to live a blessed life. But I believe that God allowed Jacob to go through this this, this state in his life of desperation to where he would begin to realize, you know what, I can't do this life on my own. Some of you, you, you might be going through some financial situations in your life, some job situations in your life right now where you're beginning to understand, man, I don't have as much control as I thought I did. And I believe God sometimes will allow us to get to that place in our lives so that we will begin to realize that we have a strong need for the power of God. And sometimes we need to hit rock bottom like Jacob did with his head literally on a rock before we recognize, hey, I need God. Now, there's a lot of stories of people that are in desperate situations, but they don't recognize it. And they have to fall a little bit further before they pay attention to, what, to the fact that, you know what, I need help in this life. Now, one of my favorite golfers, and it's not because of his uh, moral rectitude or anything like that, is, is John Daly. If you, if you watch, I don't know what it is, there's something, I just like that guy. 
Now, he's just a walking disaster, though. Now, I think a lot of us like him because he seems like a, you know, he just seems like, well, I don't even know if you can say regular. He seems like a, just a, a you know, a, a country bumpkin who happens to knock the thunder out of a golf ball. A few years ago, I mean, at the British Open a few years ago, he had a drive, and some of you don't even care, but it, this is impressive. This is church-worthy. He had a drive 421 yards. Now, how can you not like a guy like that? Now, the thing about him, though, is he's just a mess all the time. He's got a show out called Being, like, Being John Daly or something like that. You watch the show. The guy, he's, he's an alcoholic. And uh, I remember, I, this is about, probably about 10 years ago, he had, you know, he's always going through AA, trying to, trying to get his life right. And he finally decided, he, just, he said, you know what, I'm tired, of, I'm, I'm tired of quit trying to drink. He told the press this. He said, I'm just going to give up and I'm just going to start drinking again and have a good time. And I'm thinking, that makes no sense. His life was in shambles because he couldn't control himself. And now he said, I'm just going to give into it again. And I thought, this is a guy that hadn't hit rock bottom yet. You know, you have to hit the bottom and become desperate to where you begin to realize, I need God. And, you know, the same thing's true for us. You know, people, we, we are not going to recognize our need for God. We're not going to be willing to give up our lives to God until we have a recognition that without Him, we don't have a chance. Jacob got to that point to where he said, God, I, I'm so desperate, and I'm going I'm to give you my home. God, I'll give you charge of my life. Now, now why did... Why did he do that? Is it, now why did God want charge of his home? Was it because God's you know, a dictator or God wants control all the time? Yeah, I don't believe that's it. I believe very simply that God knew that before he could bless Jacob's home, Jacob had to be willing to give him the home first. Before God's going to bless areas in your life, guys, you have to be willing to give them up to God. Now, Jacob gave up his, his family home to his, to his God. What, what happened? Now, if you look at Jacob's life and you, you just spread it out his whole lifetime, what happened to Jacob's family? You know, you know who Jake, Jacob's most famous son, y'all know who it is? Coat of many colors guy. Yeah, Joseph. Joseph, Jacob gave his family to God years ago. Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time, who saved the Jewish people. His other 11 sons became leaders of their families, which turned into tribes, which eventually became the nation of Israel. When you give yourself to God, I want you to understand, God's not looking to jip you. God's looking to bless you. And as Jacob gave his heart and he gave his family to God, his home to God, God blessed. God does the same thing today. We are told in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's only when you surrender all that you've got to God, that you will experience the blessings of God in your life. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless our families. He wants to bless our children. He wants to bless this church. And if we are going to see the blessings of God, we have to submit ourselves to God and say, God, everything I've got, it's yours. I trust you that much. See, if we're going to find out God's real... Give them our hearts. We have to give them our homes. 
That's the last thing I want you to see. For us to discover the realness of God in our lives. And in the life of this church, we give God our treasure. We give God our treasure. Now I want you to look in the very last verse. It says, it says in this stone, this is uh, Jacob speaking, and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, I sort of feel bad about saying this. I, I'm jaded in a lot of ways. Um, I've talked to a lot of people, and it's just really easy to kind of get cynical. That's not a good place to be. Uh, but as I read this scripture, I say, okay, how do, you, how do I know Jacob is serious in his relationship with God? Okay, this is how cynical I am. When, when Jacob says, okay, first of all, it starts off, God, I'll give you my heart. Now, did that, did that persuade me to say Jacob is serious in his relationship with God? For me, it did not. I've seen people say that stuff before. And my first instinct, unfortunately, is not to believe what people say. Isn't that a great quality uh, for me? And so, you know, yeah, I, I'm going to give you my heart. You know, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm, God, I'm going to give you my home. And I'm thinking, I wonder what kind of home he's got. Uh, so, you know, just all these jaded little things. Now, you know when I knew that God, was, when Jacob was being real with God? This is, it's whenever he said, I will give back to you my treasure. And now that persuades me, that, now for me that persuades me, that doesn't mean you need to be this way, but that persuaded me because when people start talking about the, the things they value, their treasure, and they say, God, I will, I'm even willing to let you have charge of it, then I, I go, hey, something's happening in this guy's life. Because we typically do whatever we can to hang on to what we got. We find our treasure to be what's really important. There's a lady who had a cat die. And uh, so she called the pastor at the Baptist church and she said, Hey, my cat died and I need you to do the funeral. And the pastor's like, Really? And so he kind of looks at his calendar that's really not in front of him as he's talking to her on the phone and goes, Oh, man, I'm busy that day. I won't be able to do it. He said, But let me give you a number of the Presbyterian preacher. And uh, so he, she gave, him the, he gave, him the, gave her the number, and she took the number down, and so she calls the Presbyterian pastor, and he's like, who told you to call me? It's a Baptist preacher. Oh, yeah, we're busy that day. We're, I'm going to be with him. He said, you need to call the Methodist preacher. So he passed him along, and so he calls the Methodist preacher. She calls the Methodist preacher. Same story. She calls several other preachers, and finally she's just exasperated. And she comes back to the Baptist preacher and goes, I, she says, nobody can do this. Everybody's busy. And she said, I was going to give $1,000 to the church. That would host the funeral of my cat. And the pastor said, my goodness, you didn't tell me it was a Baptist cat. Now, you know, whenever we, whenever we start talking about treasure and money, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to get our hands on that stuff. But I look at, I look at Jacob. And Jacob says, Lord, and I'm so desperate for you that everything that I've got is yours. And you know, I, I give you my heart, I give you my family, and God, I even give you my treasure. Guys, we do not completely belong to God until we come to that place where we say, Lord, everything that I am and everything that I have, it is yours. Sam Houston is a, I guess he's kind of like a true American hero. It's a guy in the early 1800s, he was in the Congress and the United States Senate for the state of Tennessee, but he had a very... A uh, very unfortunate divorce with his wife. It just sort of sent him over the edge. And he ended up leaving Tennessee, moved to Arkansas, and lived with Indians for several years. And then he migrated on down to Texas. And whenever he got down into Texas, he, uh, he fought for, the, for Texas's independence. And he became the leader of the Texas Army. 
He was, a, he was a rough and gruff character. In 1836, he was elected the first president of Texas. But he was so rough and, and so, you know, a pretty immoral lifestyle that he lived, they just called him Big Drunk. I mean, great nickname. And so that's his nickname. Well, years later, he ended up marrying a devout Christian lady. And, and then through her witness and testimony, he became a follower of Jesus. And as he was going to the river to be baptized, he was walking down as an old man, and he's getting into the water, and the pastor noticed he had a, his pocket watch on. He said, uh, uh, Mr. President, you need to take that watch off to ruin it. And he, he said, thank you very much. He took his pocket watch off, handed it to his wife, and as he's, he's getting into the water, the pastor noticed that he also had his wallet in his back pocket. And he said, uh, Mr. President, your wallet's still in your pocket. You, you need to take that out. And he stopped and he looked at his wallet and he said, you know what, preacher? He said, my wallet needs to be baptized too. Now guys, it is important for us when we deal with God. And we say, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. That we don't pick and choose little areas of life that we're going to give to God. Because that's not acceptable in God's sight. God says, I want you. And whenever he says that he wants you, that means that he wants every bit of your life. When Sam Houston surrendered control of his life to God, he surrendered everything that he had. Jesus says in Matthew six twenty one, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's my question for you. Where is your treasure? What is it that you are investing your life in? Because that, that is where your heart really is. And God wants you to surrender yourself to Him. Not because He's a control freak, not because He's trying to be a dictator, but because He can bless you and show you that He's real as you give yourself to Him. Now, where do we need to turn ourselves over to God? We turn our hearts over to Him, our homes, and our treasure. Now, maybe you say, you know what, I, I've, I've, never, I've never given God my heart before, much less my home and treasure. But I... I'd like to do that. I'd like to give God my heart. I'd like to, Him to have charge of my life. Maybe you're at that point in your life where you realize, you know what, I can't, I can't do this life on my own. I need help. And I need a God who's bigger than me and who's bigger than this life to help me. And I challenge you just simply to talk to God and tell Him that. And I'll give you the opportunity to do that if you've not done that before. Just Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and just where you are, maybe you just simply need to tell God silently where you are. Just simply say, God, I, I need you. And today, I, I give my life to you, Jesus. I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the grave. And today, I ask you to rescue my soul to save me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you, if you pray that prayer, I want to encourage you to take your bulletin. You open it up and, and you can fill out that section on the right side and then put that in the offering basket. We'd love to get some information to you about growing in your walk with God. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Others of you are, are believers, you're followers of God, but you recognize as time's gone by, there's a lot of stuff that you've been guarding and keeping away from God. And it could be it could be your personal life, your relationship, it could be it could be your your wealth, your treasure. But it's time for you to recommit yourself to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you know, I, I just I just want you to know that that I'm completely yours. Because that's what the Bible says. 
So we're told in 1 Corinthians, to say, you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. If you follow Jesus, every bit of you belongs to Him. You are a child of God. You are a slave to God. I want to challenge you to simply talk to God. Say, Lord, I, I need to be put in my place again. And remember that I'm yours. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. And I pray that you'll bless this time of decision. This time in a few moments of, of, of extending our worship to you and our giving. I pray, Jesus, that this church will be a church that you move in and work in and make an eternal difference in this community and beyond. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.